Hey, Scott. Yes, Ed. Are you getting me chocolates for Valentine's Day again? You said you didn't like flowers. Touche. Coming to you almost live from the Tunnel of Love. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your 50% under the weather host. Yes, Scott is still recovering from the illness that delayed the, the last show you heard. That's true. It's uh, It's been a long time leaving me. He it's is clinging to me like a thing, like a foul stench. Perhaps. Yeah, it, I did kind of get that sense. There, there's a bit I, of funk. I've been sleeping yeah. on the couch. Oh, so come on. Well, uh, all of Scott's sicknesses aside, or the one that he has anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is our Valentine's Day episode, and we're really excited to have a young woman by the name of Lauren Albrecht on the show. How are you doing? Hello, I'm great. Some of you might recognize her voice because she, uh, back when we used to have this segment on the show, was the voice of Sex Talk from the Traveling Tickle Trunk. Um, and they got really busy, couldn't produce the segment anymore, so uh, we decided, well, what the hell, let's, let's have a reunion show. We also like to take a little bit of credit for how busy they are. Yeah. We single-handedly helped the sex toy industry in the city, I That's think. That's right. Is that there fair? I would say that's a fair assumption. <laughs> <laughs> and you're too kind. And and aside from uh, Lauren's um, uh, occasional work with the traveling tickle trunk, how occasional, by the way? I used to work with them a lot more. Mm-hmm. I've been with them since 2007, but I've been on a bit of a hiatus uh, to do my master's degree. And your master's degree is in what? I'm working on a master's of education in the Department of Educational Policy Studies here at the U of A, studying. Sex toy parties. Really? So, so how are you tackling the topic for your thesis? What is, what is the how, first of all? How does it work? Do you are you trying to answer a question, or are you trying to prove something? What's what's the like with, with your thesis? What what are you doing? I'm trying to prove how awesome they are. <laughs> no, it's like one page. <laughs> they just are. Fact. Yeah, you're a doctor. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> No, I was really interested in exploring non-traditional venues of sexuality education for adults Hmm. because we spend so much time thinking about sex ed for kids and uh, we all know that that can be a bit of a controversial topic. So I was interested in looking at um, sex ed opportunities for adults outside of medical venues or health-related venues. Okay. And in sort of exploring that topic, I kept thinking about my work at the Tickle Trunk, and I kept thinking how many great questions we get and, and great conversation we have during the sex toy parties that I thought it was a natural place to start. So w- what are some of the questions that you typically hear? I mean, I think that adults, including myself, like to think that we are learned in the, in the arts of love. But are people, uh, do the questions come from all over the place? It is really shocking yeah. how varied the questions are, and it really I can't really predict the type of questions based on the group, um, but really it all boils down to, am I normal? Really? It does, yeah, and, and those questions are asked in different ways about different things, you know, about anatomy, about relationships, about friends, relationships like that, yeah. um, 
But it all boils down to, am I normal? Do other people experience this too? And you can't say things like, oh, God, no. No, sir, you are strange. That is very unusual when you need help. And yes, it does look infected. (laughs) So, so I mean, you you obviously, uh, I would, I think, uh, you try to be as inclusive as possible. For sure. And the Tickle Trunk uh, definitely has a very inclusive mandate. Um, So we have parties with really diverse groups of all different genders and sexualities. So again, the questions are very diverse. (laughs) I can't even imagine. But it's really fun. um, And I, I really enjoy kind of spreading the message that diversity is normal, that not everyone is meant to be the same. Yeah. So, uh, Tell me about a typical sex toy party. What, what can people expect when, uh, when they set one of these things up? And by the way, how does one set one of these things up? You can call the Tickle Trunk. You can go on the website. Um, you can fire off an email. And um, Coco at the Tickle Trunk will organize the schedule. So we're, we're in high demand at the Tickle Trunk. Yeah. And the, the calendar books up really quickly. Generally so, speaking, how far ahead do you have to book your party? I would say at least a couple of weeks, but it depends if you want it on a Friday or Saturday. You might want to book even three weeks ahead because those are big nights. Um, And we do uh, have different specials and discounts if you want to have them on a weeknight because we're trying to encourage uh, less weekend-heavy schedules for the staff at the Tickle Trunk. And a lot of people on a Tuesday night just want to sit down and talk about sex with their friends. Yeah, yeah, and maybe buy a butt plug or something like that. There you go. I mean, that's what I'm doing on Tuesday, this Tuesday at my apartment. Um, So it's not only an opportunity for you guys to do some of that sort of adult sex education, but it's you get to sell toys too, right? Right. Well, first and foremost, it's a party. Of course. Yeah. So we're not really there to teach anything. It just sort of seems to happen. Yeah. And and not that we're always doing the teaching, but people are learning from each other too. And it's just a way for various groups of people, friends, coworkers, family sometimes, to get together and have conversations that normally aren't okay. So they learn as much from each other and we learn from them as much as we're teaching about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find find that people... Uh, under, shall we say, normal circumstances, are generally a little leery about talking about sexual matters with even, like, very close friends? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You can walk into a house, and generally they're perfect strangers to us coming in, and uh, you can get a sense of how comfortable the group is right off the bat. Uh, Sometimes it takes a little liquid courage. (laughs) And then the questions start flowing, uh, and sometimes it just takes that one person to say something first or to laugh about something first yeah. and break the ice. Uh, but there are times when, throughout the whole party, it is dead silent. Really? It is, yeah. The whole thing? The whole thing. But then you get them into the ordering room, and they start talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. In, in your experience, it's, there's, it's just a question of when they're going to start becoming interested, interested or having fun. It's right. not that it never happens. Like you've never you've never been to a party where you, when you left the house you're just like oh thank God I'm so glad we got to leave. No, not at all. I mean it's been really it's been really fun um, to meet people at different places mm-hmm. and, and sort of talk about sex from all these different angles. And sometimes the conversation is surprising, um, but it's always a great experience. I've never had a bad party. So how do you parlay these parties into a master's thesis? Like, you're studying sexual education. What do you think you're going to say in this thesis? 
I'm not sure yet. Okay. I'm in the middle of um, doing a bunch of interviews with some really gracious volunteers um, who've shown interest in participating uh, in my thesis research. And uh, it's really interesting how diverse this group of women are. And, and I think I will hear lots of different things, although hopefully a few common threads run through all the participants. Right. But I'm only halfway through, so I don't want to say too much yet. <laughs> Damn. Well, the show's over then, I guess, <laughs> since Lauren doesn't want to talk about this. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Uh, without necessarily breaking any confidentiality or naming any names, what are some of the most unusual things that you've had brought up in your presence at parties? Can, can you share that with us? Yes. Without naming names? I'll name no names. You can, you can be pretty vague about who was, <laughs> who was saying, well, we don't need to know that Adam asked the weirdest question you ever heard. Why are, why are you guys looking at me like that? It's normal. Everything I do is normal. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nothing I do is normal. Yeah, what are some of the what are some of the more what are some of the ones that have made you go oh uh, like surprised that it was asked? I'm generally surprised the most about anatomy questions. Really? Especially um, generally the parties are with groups of women, although we've had many parties with men as well. Um, but I'm always surprised um, talking with women who've had children who are really confused about where different parts of their body are. Really? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like not knowing where the clitoris is or not knowing um, that, that the vaginal canal is only a finite length. It's not like Mary Poppins first. You can just no. sleeve deep, as they say. You cannot pull a lamp out. <laughs> or put one in. Because the person you try to do that to is going to be really upset. <laughs> and tell me about, I, I'm trying to imagine myself at a sex toy party with other dudes. I don't, I don't think I know, I don't think I have dudes in my circle of friends where we'd be like, yeah, let's fucking do it. I've been to a sex toy party. But it was very mixed gender. Oh. And it started out with just the ladies, but then uh, a few of us dudes who had been hanging out <laughs> went and joined them a little later on. And uh, it was it was different. It was, But it was fun. And, and so do you do mixed gender sex parties? Yes, 100%. No, I don't, sex toy parties, I should say. <laughs> yes. The sex party is a bit of a different thing. Yeah, that's something else. Slightly different animal. On our next episode, uh, yeah. N um, so what are those, how do the dynamics change when it's all girls, all guys, or mixed? I all, I've never done a party with all guys. Yeah. So I can only speak to all women or mixed gender mm -hmm. parties. But I think that um, it almost becomes easier to talk when, when it's a mixed gender party because nobody is um, sort of thinking that there is one right experience. Hmm, interesting. So I find the questions kind of flow a bit easier and, and people are a bit less hesitant. Although I do find that there is a huge learning curve for guys with sex toys. <laughs> really? Which is really fun to watch. There are very few, uh, shall we say, male-oriented sex toys. That we know of. That we are aware of. You would be surprised. <laughs> I think we need to go shopping. Not for each other, but well, you with said each you other. didn't want chocolates yeah. for Valentine's. I guess Day. so, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like flowers. So it's gotta be like a sleeve or something. <laughs> the sleeve is one of the most popular. I've talked to uh, that is one thing that I've spoken with some guy friends about and uh uh nothing but good reviews. So happy Valentine's Day, Scott. Now, uh, around Valentine's Day, I'm guessing <laughs> this is going to be all giggles all night long. I, I'm guessing that around Valentine's Day, 
business booms. We, we I remember talking to Brenda about this. It, it picks up. Do the parties as well? Is it is it a Valentine's Day activity for people? I think parties are a year-round activity. Yeah. Yeah, no, really, the calendar has been really busy, especially in the last couple of years. It's really picked up with the storefront. Um, so I'm not really sure if they're busier around Valentine's Day than other times of the winter, but... From what I remember, it, it's it's pretty steady. Mm-hmm. And do, sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask: uh, Do you get a lot of uh, parties that are tied into events like it's like a bridal shower or something like that? For sure, bridal showers, stay gets. Um, I, we've had some non-traditional kind of parties, so it's kind of fun um, that people find different reasons to host a party. But really, you don't need a reason other yeah. than you want to have a party. And, and and talk about sex. Yeah. Yeah. And and get some great toys and tips on how to use them. I I imagine cuz cuz the tickle trunk is so education focused that it's not just here. Here's some dildos and a sleeve and and here's but it's actually here's how to use it. Here's the best way to use it. Well, we don't necessarily talk about how to use it because we try to encourage creativity okay. in terms of uh, people discovering for themselves what works best for them. Mm-hmm. Everybody but, is different. Everyone is a snowflake. That is true. And toys can be used in more than one way, oftentimes, not always. But we, t- we do talk a lot about materials because there are a lot of toys um, made of very unsafe materials out there. And so we really want to educate people about what's a good material that's not going to leach toxins, that um, is going to last you a long time, especially if you're investing you know, a few dollars in your toy. You want to make sure it lasts. Uh, we do a lot of discussion around lubrication mm-hmm. uh, because that's a topic a lot of people have questions about. Um, and we talk about cleaning toys as well, making sure to keep them really clean. Yeah, because that would be really gross if people didn't do that. Clean your toys, everybody. Clean other stuff, too. Clean your junk. Would you do that, please? No rules. No censors. It's Adam Rosenhart, Unleashed. Some people like to put pressure on themselves for Valentine's Day, using it as the one day of the year where they actually try and get it right. You know, really treat their significant other like they're actually significant. And then there's the other group that swears off Valentine's Day altogether as a hallmark holiday, something invented by retailers to ensure people keep spending their hard-earned cash on trinkets or dinners or expensive bottles of wine or all of the above. The people who like to shit on those, who actually try to make Valentine's Day mean something, really bother me, even though I also think V-Day is mostly a crock. But it's a crock for me. Just because I try to do romantic, valentine things for my girlfriend throughout the year, with varying degrees of success, instead of a single isolated day, doesn't mean that people who use the day to celebrate their relationships platonic, romantic, or straight-up booty call are lazy or somehow inferior to everyone else. Talk to any one of your friends. Ask them how they're doing. They'll answer one of three ways. They'll say they're good, that they're busy, or they're both good and busy. It's tough to maintain a balance between work, hanging out with friends, involving oneself in extracurricular activities, and making sure you spend real excellent quality time with the one you love. Sometimes we need one of those days, an annual etched-in-stone date night, to ensure that we're paying the attention we should be to the ones we love. Contrived? Maybe, for those of us who can maintain that work-life balance with ease, and by us, I mean anyone but me. 
But let's assume that the people who ate Valentine's Day do so because the way people treat it now is miles away from the origins of St. Valentine himself. So I suggest humankind goes back to its roots and we all remember the true meaning of St. Valentine. Every year, let's find a Christian guy and persecute the hell out of him, trying our damnedest to convert this clever person over to Roman paganism. When he refuses, he's going to try to convert us. And since that's really, really annoying, we should stab him. Stab him until he dies. But before he dies, he'll cure the executioner's blind daughter. There. Is that traditional enough for you? Does that keep the Valentine in Valentine's Day the way you want it to? I mean, I know it's no cinnamon heart or box of chocolates, but at least it's traditional. Or, you know, go have a drink with someone you love. That way, no one has to get hurt. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. This is the Unknown Studio. Have you considered sponsoring or advertising on a local podcast? Well, this is your opportunity. The Unknown Studio is looking for advertisers. If you're interested, contact Adam at theunknownstudio.ca or Scott at theunknownstudio.ca, and this space could be filled with your ad. Now, back to the show. We should take a moment to list off uh, our sponsor. It's not really a sponsor, list. It's not a list. Our one remaining sponsor. Yeah. Not because our sponsors dislike us, but many of them have gone on to bigger and better things. They have other fish to fry. Indeed. Okay. Um, but there is still one. There is still one. And that is Guru Digital Arts College. Absolutely true. They are wonderful in so many ways. Not Not the least way of which is the fact that their headmaster is the Dumbledore of digital media, Owen Briarley. And his school teaches people all about design, uh, coding, um, drawing cartoons, uh, comics. On the internet. On the internet, really. They're, they're really focused on that stuff. And they've just done a new intake of students at the beginning of January. So those guys are being put through their paces. If you're interested in a career uh, in the digital arts, Go to gurudigitalarts.com. You can literally drop by their campus as well. That's true. Talk to uh, Owen Briarley. He's a very friendly and approachable man. He will give you a tour, show you around, let you know if maybe Guru is the place for you. Yes, and then he'll put the sorting hat on and you'll figure out whether you're in Gryffindor or that other Slytherin. That's the one. I know there are two more, but who cares? <laughs> who cares about Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff? Dumb motherfuckers. Now, I wanted to ask you if you think, um, in your experience, is Edmonton, are Edmontonians, uh, is Edmonton a sexy town? Are Edmontonians sexual people? Edmonton is a kinky town. Is it? Oh, it is. (laughs) I love it. There's lots of kinky stuff going on, and I love it. And where can we find out about this kinky stuff? And what kind of kinky stuff? Yeah. Well, actually, there's quite a few uh, festivals around town. Uh, Lupercalia is one. Um, there's like a kinky flea market, I believe, as well. There are, there are all these great sort of underground ev- events that um, are really catered towards people who have diverse interests. Um, and I think the Tickle Trunk would be a great resource because they typically sponsor or have a presence at these events. Yeah. So they they kind of got their finger on the kinky pulse. Have you been to, uh, what did you call the first one, Lupercalia? Lupercalia. 
I have not been. Is that a lube? Lube? Loop? Loop. With a P. With a P. Okay. Yeah. And, and you haven't been. Damn. No, I've only heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all these Apparently rumors. I'm not kinky enough. I guess. <laughs> we were hoping that Lauren's husband was going to join us, but he's flat on his back at home. Is that right? It's true. Is that going to be mad at me for saying that? <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> um, yeah, so, so the thesis topic was something that you c- came up with. How did, you, how did you decide to do a master's in education anyway? What got you here? Well, um, my husband and I had taken a year off uh, to travel. And in that kind of traveling and self-discovery period, I thought I wanted to go back to school. So when we returned to Edmonton, I went back um, into the Faculty of Education. And uh, I was really struggling my first semester to think of a topic that I wanted to research. And I was kind of all over the map. And a prof gave me some really great advice. And he said, you should research what you know. And I was like, sex toy parties. (laughs) Ding! Yeah, and then uh, really everything just sort of fell into place. Everything that we talked about in my coursework just sort of made sense when I was thinking about sex toy parties as an educational space. Yeah. And uh, it's just really blossomed from there. Do you think that um, that some of the stuff that you have learned from the questions that adults ask you could be somehow adapted for for child sex ed? Because we talked about this before we were recording that, or, or I think we mentioned it on the show already, um, there's a lot out there for kids. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. I, if I remember sex ed when I was in junior high and high school, most of it was fucking terrible. I also went to Catholic school, so they were like, if you masturbate, you'll go blind. I also went to a Catholic school, and I actually recall my sex education being, I'm not going to say, like, extensive, but at least acceptable. Like, they understood, they had a fundamental understanding of what we needed to know, what was important to know, and delivered that information to us. And uh, I think that might be just that the uh, the school I was in was maybe a little progressive, Compared to, because you're not the first person I've heard who mentioned, I went to a Catholic school and they were just like, abstinence, whack, we're done. And, no, uh, no whack. You couldn't whack. Oh, I'm like oh, you meant being the, hit. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Uh, with the abstinence stick. Uh, stick. And that's pretty much it. And uh, so, so I don't know what made my particular experience unique in that regard, but I, I seem to recall my sex education being fairly well-rounded. So we'll get to the first question in a moment because I want to ask you another one. Uh, what was sex ed like? Do you remember when you were a kid? Was it good, bad? What was your, what were your initial thoughts around sex when you were a kid? I, too, went to a Catholic school, and I, too, had a very shame-based yeah. sex ed experience. Yes, there was a lot of discussion around abortion and, uh, and murder. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, I, I remember being really shocked as a kid. I don't remember abortion being brought up at all in my sexual education. Are, I'm not going to ask you your age, but are we around the same age? We are. We are, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't remember talking about abortion either. It was a consistent theme in my sex ed experience. Is that right? Yeah, and I remember even at that age, I really questioned um, why, you know, what what was so wrong about this. I really wanted to ask questions, and I know that it was not a space where I was allowed to. Hmm. And so I took that home and talk to my parents. And so we really had a lot of discussion around those kind of heated issues from a young age at home. And your parents were really open to that? Well, I think they had to be open just simply because I was so curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout my teenage years, it was it was a little less open. You know, it's the typical 
hesitation and uncomfortable <laughs> conversations in the car when you're trapped and you can't get out, you know. Yeah. But since I've been... <laughs> oh, my God, yes. I'll tell you a story in a moment. Keep going. Since I've been doing these parties, though, <laughs> I mean, the conversations have come up a lot with my family, mm-hmm. with my husband's family. And it's been so fascinating because we've been able to talk about all these things that were so awful. Yeah. Yeah. And and talking with family now about that stuff, they they have a genuine curiosity? Oh, Yeah. My dad edits my papers. Does he really? He does. And they're all about sex. <laughs> he must just be like, ooh, I haven't tried that one. Hmm, interesting. Taking notes on the side. Um, I, I, you, you mentioned the awkward can't escape conversations, and I wanted to ask you guys if you had any of those, because I, I have a very distinct memory when I was not young. But do you guys have any like those? Do you, would you, I did. Would you be interested in sharing? I, uh, I, it was when I was a teenager, and it was one of my first girlfriends, uh, and I had been getting a little intimate. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad, well, he was driving me somewhere one day, uh, had kind of gave me the whole, uh, I hope you're not having sex with this girl. And, you know, you, if you are, you need to be smart about it. And, you know, you need to be careful. And I was just like sinking further and further (laughs) into the seat. Just like, oh, this is very uncomfortable. Um, and I, I respect that he meant well and that he had my best interests in mind. And that's very much in hindsight. At the time, it was mortifying. Yeah. But I did get one of those trapped in the car conversations. Did you? Yes. Was it trapped in the car? Oh, yes. Okay, so they, so we all three of us have had similar experiences. Well, I'm pretty sure that's in the parent manual. <laughs> <laughs> was yours around the same thing? You couldn't possibly be having sex? Yes, and, and if you are having sex, I hope we're taking you to the STD center and... <laughs> It was awful. Yeah. Yeah, my dad did that to me when I was driving. I was, yeah, I was driving the car, I think. And uh, he had come to pick me up, and he, and it was, I had stayed over at a girl's place, and he he was naturally curious, angrily curious about whether or not we'd done anything. And I was like, <laughs> what if we had, Dad? And he was just like, like angry, so angry, and speeding, and, you know, it was terrible. I never... I would never do that. I, that's why I don't want kids. I don't want to have that conversation. I'm not ready to, I'm not having that conversation. He, that is the entire reason he doesn't want to have children. So he never has yeah. to have a sex talk with that, them. That's one of them. That's one of them. <coughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, so, but even before you went away on your trip, you were, you, you were going to be a teacher. Yes, I was a teacher. And, and it wasn't for you. Is there anything, any particular reason it just didn't appeal to you? No, I tried, I, I taught um, grade school. For a short time, and uh, I found it kind of difficult to fit into the uh, the bureaucracy, the structure. Um, so then I moved on to teach adults for a while okay. in uh, various nonprofit organizations, and I, I enjoyed that a lot actually. But um, yeah, I just really wanted to go back to the academy, and I always had an interest. But like interestingly. Um, sex always came up in my classrooms, whether it was with grade six kids or with adults. So what would you be teaching? Are you teaching them anything that, that's related to that, that would that sex would naturally come up in conversation? Well, I think in grade six, sex <laughs> is always coming up for, for pubescent kids. Yes. But uh, also, too, I was young, and I think it was just easier to talk to me than maybe some of the other teachers. Um, but I think for um, my experience teaching adults, it was just... 
it was sort of natural. We were talking about life skills. We were talking about, um, I worked for an organization that helped um, people sort of transition from difficult situations, whether they had been incarcerated or whether they um, were in poverty or lacking literacy skills. We tried to help them transition to uh, the work world. Mm-hmm. And uh Sex was a consistent theme, and I, I can't really say that I explicitly taught it, but there were lots of questions, and that kind of got the wheels turning. Like, if you're not getting this in school or if you're not getting this from your parents, the questions don't go away. And no. I was really curious to kind of see where people went to get those questions answered. Do you feel that um, that in general, and it's a very general uh, question, uh, adults are... Um, a little behind the curve when it comes to sex education, and do you feel that that is a a failing of our sexual education in our teens? That that is my general feeling. Although I have to have a few caveats because okay. I think it really depends on, on the person. I mean, somebody can be really knowledgeable if they've sought out the information they need on their own, um, and I think part of it is learning how to be information literate to kind of sort out what is good information and what is bad information because everybody can go on the internet and Google. But it's it's the people, I think there's a big difference um, in the knowledge people have based on how good they are at sorting out good information from bad information. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, I guess, well, he's thinking of that as a follow-up <laughs> question. Do you find there's a lot of bad information out there? Yes, there's a lot of scary information. There's a lot of fear-mongering. So I think it is hard to find um, sex-related information, sexuality information that's pleasure-based. Yeah. That it comes from a really sex-positive place. I think it's very easy to find the opposite. So basically where sex is a tool to pregnancy? Yeah. 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 Or... Mm. or um, At night, in the dark, yeah. missionary position. Clean yourself a, afterward. Have you a baby. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or a way to catch a horrible disease. Yeah, it seems like there there is a lot of that. And even um, what about in things like uh, ad campaigns around condoms or STIs? Um, is is it mostly accurate? Mostly, what what do you how do you feel when you see ads like that? Well, I mean, I think it is important that we have these health promotion messages. It's important that we protect ourselves from various sexually transmitted infections. But I think it, the information could come from a place that really celebrates sex as something that everybody experiences and something that everybody wants to experience because it feels good and instead of coming from a place of, be careful, don't do this, you could get sick. Yeah. Do babies count as sick? Yes, okay. they are a form of infection. and Little parasites. Yeah. And you can infect your kids with STIs, like congenital syphilis and all that good stuff. Does that, do those questions come up a lot in, in some of the education that you've done? Or is it mostly around, um, I'm into this, am I weird or am I normal? Typically, questions around, um, really specific questions around STIs don't come up unless somebody's currently experiencing an issue and they want to know how using a toy will impact that. Or maybe how being with a partner will impact it. Um, but more more so, the questions are very much centered around what people are interested in or sort of their deep-seated desires and, and wanting to know how to enact them or is it okay to enact them. Oh, I feel like there's that's, that's really cool. Like, I don't know, the, the idea that people are like, 
I'm into this or I want to try this am I normal or you know there's they're looking for acceptance <clears throat> it all feels very sweet to me like I, I love that and and I suppose that if I had a question about an STI I'd want to talk to my doctor just like I wouldn't be like hey doc I'm thinking of buying a sleeve do you think it'll be awesome because <laughs> I don't think I could have that conversation with my family doctor she's known me since I was four and that would be weird We'll see. Next appointment. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last few months, you've probably heard about Edmonton's latest winter festival, Metropolis. It's all taking place in a series of uh, customized structures down at Churchill Square. And if you're curious about Metropolis's success as a winter festival, um, you can read it all over the papers. Some people have been in favor of what they've been doing at Metropolis, and some people have said it's not enough to make Edmonton a truly outstanding winter city. So a group of young people here in Edmonton are trying to make the weekend of February 17th a great weekend for the Metropolis Winter Festival. If you go down there the weekend of the 17th, you'll be able to take part in a Metropolis fashion show that's happening the whole weekend and we wanted to get the scoop on exactly what would be involved in this special fashion weekend so we spoke with Susie Kenny one of the organizers of the event uh, at her office and I should tell you in the interest of full disclosure Susie's office is also my office we work together at Calder Bateman during the day so here's my interview with Susie all about the Metropolis fashion show Susie, tell me a little bit about the uh, Metropolis Fashion Festival event that you are uh, helping to put on. Uh, it's organized by Bamboo Ballroom and uh, the Handmade Mafia, primarily. And it's going to be running in Churchill Square from February 17th to the 19th. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend to see a lot of local designers and boutiques um, out at a winter festival. And uh, tell me a little bit about the variety of events you have going on within the fashion festival itself, because I understand there's going to be some swapping. There is going to be a clothing swap. So for those who would like to uh, trade their clothing with their friends and some new people that they'll meet as well, um, you can drop off your clothing at Bamboo Ballroom or Coop uh, Garment Boutique uh, leading up to the swap. And when you show up, basically you'll get a bag and you can fill it with as much new clothing as you would like. And you don't think anyone's going to try to abuse the system by like cramming as much as possible into a full to bursting bag? I think there could be some cramming, but but we're going to try and be um, calm and respectful of everyone around. <laughs> around. And, um, you know, the idea is you get one bag and if everyone fills their bag and there's still clothing left over, then we'll hand out more bags. Cool. So the swap is just one part. Uh, tell us about the rest of the weekend and what people expect can expect to see at Metropolis. On Thursday night, there's going to be a fashion show with all local designers and local boutiques. Um, it'll be really great. There's going to be live DJs, also a drag show at the intermission. So it's going to be pretty exciting. It's invite only, so you have to go to our Facebook page to um, get on the list for that. On Friday is the swap, which will be the prime event that evening from 7 to 9. And on Saturday, it'll be um, Handmade Mafia sale market and also a local designer trunk sale. So that's really great. You'll get to see some interesting pieces, one-of-a-kind pieces that you can come out and buy. 
Also on uh, Sunday, there's a handmade mafia sale market as well, and a local jeweler is putting on a jewelry workshop. So she'll teach us how to take some old trinkets and turn them into new jewelry. That's really awesome. Now you mentioned the exclusive invite uh, action. I suppose that is part of this. Where can people find you guys on Facebook? You can find us on Facebook, our Facebook page. If you just search Metropolis Fashion Festival, it'll come up there. Also, if you look at Bamboo Ballroom or Coop Boutique's um, Facebook page, it'll be listed there as well. Right on. Uh, well, thank you very much for chatting with us, Susie. And best of luck at the Metropolis Fashion Festival. That's February 17th to 19th at Sir Winston Churchill Square. Thank you. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. And now, a dramatic reading with Scott C. Bourgeois. The Bowflex PowerPro XTL is a home gym that uses resistance rods instead of a standard weight stack. By adjusting the configuration of the cables, pulleys, and other accessories, the user is able to perform a variety of exercises on the machine. Bowflex has designed special workouts for use with PowerPro XTL, including the 20-minute upper and lower body workout. This workout targets the upper body on the first and third day, while leaving the lower body for the second and fourth day. On days one and three, step one, set the bench to the inclined position. Recline on the bench and place your feet flat on the ground. Grip the handles and hold them level to your chest. Push the handles outward slowly. Step two, Place the bench flat on the rail. Sit on the bench facing toward the resistance rods. Grip the handles and slowly pull them toward your hips. Step three, bend forward slightly. Grip the handles and slowly pull them toward your chest. Pause momentarily. Then return to your starting position. Step four, sit on the bench next to the resistance rods. Face toward the sliding seat. Grip the handles and hold them behind your head. With your elbows pointed forward, extend your arms upward. And step five, remove the bench and set it aside. Stand over the exposed seat rail facing toward the resistance rods. Grip the handles and allow your hands to hang at your sides. Curl the handles toward your shoulders. On days two and four, step one, remove the bench and set it aside. Sit down on the sliding seat. Pull the knob from under the seat and turn it until the seat slides freely. Grip the handles and place your feet on the horizontal bar with your legs bent. Hold your hands by your waist and push against the bar with your legs. Step two, sit down on the sliding seat facing toward the resistance rods. Grip the handles and hold them by your waist. Place your feet on the horizontal bar and extend your legs fully. Push against the bar with the balls of your feet, then slowly return to your starting position. Step three, attach the belt accessory to the pulley cables. Sit down on the sliding seat facing away from the resistance rods. 
wrap the belt around your waist. Rest your heels against the rail support. Bend your knees to pull your body forward. Step four, stand over the exposed seat rail and attach the ankle cuffs to the pulley cables. Wrap a cuff around one of your ankles. Bend the knee of the leg with the cuff attached. Swing the bent leg backward, then slowly return to your starting position. Repeat with the opposite leg. Step five, place the bench flat on the seat rail. Sit down on the bench facing toward the resistance rods. Pass your arms through the bands on the handles. Position the handles in the crook of each arm. Cross your arms and lean forward slightly. Pivot your torso backward. And step six, set the bench to the inclined position. Recline on the bench. Grip the handles and hold them at shoulder level. Curl your torso forward. Um, once you've completed this thesis, and it and you you before we started recording said, if if it's accepted, it, you know if you get past the rigors of academia, what's next? What do you do with this? You're in. You're t- we're talking about educational policy as the department that you're in. So do you know what comes next? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited though about all the possibilities. Um, I've recently gone out to Twitter and started blogging and just created this great community. Um, and I think it's been really exciting to see all the opportunities that are available outside of Edmonton, outside of Canada. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it'll take me. And actually, if people want to follow you on Twitter, what, what, what uh, is that okay? Yes, please, at Sexagogy. Okay. And, uh, and tell me about how you've sort of developed and found this, this community online. Has that been, were these people easy to find? These people, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. But do you know what I mean? Like, people are interested in the same topic area. Yes, they were incredibly easy to find, and they've been really great at um, distributing different resources, and um, I've had great offers for helping with my thesis if people wanted, you know, they wanted to be interviewed or they wanted to take a look at my paper and proof it or different things like that, which has been really great. Wow. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, if we were to be research subjects for you, what sort of questions would you be asking us? We would have had to have gone to, we would have had to experience one of these sex toy parties, I'm guessing. Yes, so currently I'm speaking with women who've attended a traveling tickle trunk uh, sex toy party at any point, and I'm just really trying to understand their experience. Mm -hmm. I want to know what it was like, what brought them there, um, what did they feel about it, was there sort of any lasting impact, did they have any questions? Hmm. And will you, was was your research also going to include speaking with dudes? Not at this point in time, although I really want to. Yeah. Yeah, the, unfortunately, uh, the scope of a master's degree is uh, really small, a master's thesis. So I, I have to wait until I maybe move to the next level uh, to sort of expand this program of research. But I think there's so much to ask and so many people to ask that I'd be really excited to do that. And well, and when it comes to this topic, I, I, it seems to me, not having read any of the literature, but I f- still feel like in a lot of ways it's a taboo subject for a lot of people. So you might actually be blazing a trail, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I'm, I don't want to fill your head with, with craziness, but, but it sounds like it. 
Um, what other sex research is out there that you've come across? There is an emerging field of uh, sex research on sex toy parties. Really? There this, is. This is a yes. niche. This is a niche. It is, wow. yeah. Wow, okay. And it's been really neat to see um, the different angles uh, different researchers have approached this with. And generally, they've talked to facilitators. So people like me who work for the company and come into your home, uh, and they've had um, really great perspectives. But I'm really curious about the people coming. Mm-hmm. I want to know the people that come to the parties. What what motivates them to come and, and what's their experience like? Yeah. So that that is a bit unique. Um, there's only a very few studies in the literature that actually talk to people that have been to the parties. So I'm hoping to fill that void. Cool. Now, in your experience at these parties, I know we're jumping all around here, but I'm really excited. Um, we, we can tell. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand up. Um are there people that are brought to these parties sort of kicking and screaming or like, you know, their friends are just like, no, you have to come to one of these. Like, you know, you've talked about how some people are a little shy at first, but are there some people who are who you win over but absolutely do not want to be there? I think there's always an element of uh, peer pressure mm-hmm. in these sort of group situations. Um, but Maybe they just need an excuse to come, you know? It's so hard to know. That's why I want to ask people. Because sometimes people seem really hesitant to be there. Don't, you know, sit by the door. Sit at the back by the door quietly. Really? Uh, but then slowly yeah. they kind of emerge from their shell. So sometimes you just need a reason, an excuse. Okay. Now, we're talking about something that I've never experienced. So take me through a, a, a sex toy party. How does it start? How does it end? Okay. So I am only familiar with the Traveling Tickle Trunk Sex Toy Party model. Of course, yes. But what we do is uh, we come to your house. Um, You know, you've already invited your friends. You've already set a a date and a time. And we show up a little bit early. Um, We've got a toolbox with us Mm -hmm. Is it actually a toolbox? Oh, it's a toolbox. I seem to recall Brenda had brought a toolbox when we spoke with her. Yes. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I suppose... We have way too many toys to fit in the toolbox, so we have many other boxes with us. Of course. <laughs> so we bring all our gear, and we get set up, and we try to, you know, mingle with the party because it is a party, and, and we want people to feel comfortable, and it's, it's not meant to be a lecture. Mm-hmm. So we mingle. We meet people. Um, when everyone's kind of settled down, we all sit down together wherever that may be, sometimes living room, sometimes kitchen, and... Uh, I basically start talking about the toys. Um, we've got a bit of a, a, a list that describes the different toys and the price points, and we talk about them, pass them around the room, um, and that's a great way to actually get people kind of interacting with the toys, and questions sort of emerge as people are touching them and passing them and playing with them and making jokes with them. Yeah, and that's always been part of what Brenda's wanted to do is, I mean, you've got an, an example of every toy in the store sitting out that you can manipulate and play with. Exactly. So, um Okay. Uh, now, are you setting up like a display when, when you come in with your toolbox? Like, is it all arrayed on a table somewhere? I'm trying to picture what this is like. And then like next to the dip. You know <laughs> yes. <what I> mean? <laughs> okay, so. We do have a little, we bring a little table okay. that we kind of can kind of display some of our wares um, because we've got lots of little bottles and and things so we want to be able, we want everyone to be able to see them so we do have a little table although it's not a real formal mm-hmm. display and things end up you know all over the room by the end of the night anyways um, but we we do take a break about halfway through the list of of products so people can take a second look at something or they can ask some questions or they can get more dip 
refill their drinks. <laughs> Get more dip. I love it. And then we we typically then go into the hardware, as we call it. Okay. So what does that involve? The vibrators, the dildos, the butt plugs, so the heavier things. Before that, you're talking. We're talking about lube and I don't know what massage else. oils okay. and yeah. Part two is always crazier. Yeah, it's the foreplay, right? You, yeah, you, you got to warm people up. You warm people up to the to the heavy stuff. To it, the big stuff. <laughs> to the fun stuff. Is that actually how the traveling t- tickle trunks model is described? You, you have to, you have to engage in foreplay first before you get to the actual act at sex toy parties because it should be. This is how I'm describing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say this is how Brenda describes it. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> now, uh, you mentioned uh, lubes and stuff being passed around. Uh, at a typical sex toy party, are there little like freebies that that are given out of anything, or samples? Yes. Yeah, so everything is open for people to sample. So all the products that can be tasted, we let people know they can taste them. Anything that they can put on, we let them know and they put it on. Um, the toys themselves can be turned on, although not actually used. Probably <laughs> a, a good idea there. Yeah, yeah, but generally we try to keep it as interactive as possible, so that people can really experience something. Um, because we don't want people buying things just thinking they might like it without really understanding what the product does or how it feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are there an is there an army of you guys who go out and do these these shows? There are sorry these yeah these sex toy parties. Yeah, there's about a handful of us okay. uh, at the Tilco Trunk who uh, who do the parties in people's homes, and uh, yeah, it's the best job in the world. It sounds pretty awesome. It's, it sounds like you get to meet interesting people and talk about one of the most fun things ever. You're lucky. You're very lucky. I think so, too. Yeah. Now, in a given, uh, with this handful of people, you guys are pretty much busy all the time. Yeah, it's been very constant in the last few years. Um, I haven't been doing them personally for the last couple of years, so I'm not sure how busy everybody is, but every time I check in, it seems like they're running off their feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm, which is great. Yeah. Oh, gosh. A banner year for the Tickle Drunk. Let's hope. Anyway, it's getting to be that special time of the episode. The special time where you ask some special questions? Very special questions. Not sex-related questions. No, no. Necessarily. Yeah. Anyway, we call it... The Fast 15. So I know that you've listened to the show because you used to be a part of it. <coughs> Seriously? Did yes, you? of course. Oh, honestly? Yes. Most people don't. So that's cool. But that's all right because, well, it's not all right. But the, so the Fast 15, as you know, we ask 15 questions of every guest. You get two wild cards at the end that are tailored to you. And because and those will probably be sex related. Or Valentine's Day because I love asking the Valentine's Day questions. Uh, so we'll go with our standard 13, followed by our two wild cards in rapid succession. Lauren, are you ready for the Fast 15? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, your favorite food. Pizza. Number two, your favorite color. Blue. Mac, PC, or Linux. Mac all the way. Nice. Dogs or cats? <gasps> I really want a dog. Really? Nice. So bad. Are you uh, convincing the gentleman lover that this is something that needs to happen? Yeah, we're convincing each other off and on <laughs> all the time. We make weekly visits to the SPCA. Weekly? Weekly. It's oh in our gosh. hood. That's Yeah, that's that's right. All right, coffee or tea? Coffee. Uh, your favorite holiday? 
Do I have to say Valentine's Day? I no, should say Valentine's Day. You don't Day. have to. It's also my wedding anniversary. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Ooh. Terrible. <laughs> no, that's great. Actually, my uh, one of my cousins got married on Valentine's Day, so. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so Valentine's Day, I guess. Sure. Okay, for Zach. Yeah. That's fair. What about your favorite sport? Football. Right on. CFL or NFL? CFL, although NFL will do. Are you looking forward to the Super Bowl then? Oh, yeah. We are recording prior to the Super Bowl, which will be wrapped up by the time you hear this. So I love the Super Bowl. I mostly love the snacks and the commercials. Really excited about those. Uh, Your favorite pastime? Travel. Okay. Your uh, favorite music right now? Adele. Nice. And favorite movie right now? Oh, Midnight in Paris is great. Okay. Now, we were talking about this before we started the show, and you said you had tuned out. So I don't know if I should ask you what your favorite video game is, because you don't have one. Tetris? That's acceptable. Great. That is totally acceptable. <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, I think I'd want uh, x-ray vision. Oh. I think that would work really well at the parties. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that you're excited, ma'am. Do you have a question for me? Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, that's hard. Because neither? No, both. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. My guinea pig is named Tribble, so I think I'll have to say Star Trek. <laughs> okay. That's reasonable. That's that fair. Is, that is acceptable. Now, uh, we're coming up on Valentine's Day, so I have to ask, um, and I think I know the answer, but because it's Valentine's Day, what do you and Zach uh, typically do other than celebrate your marriage? Yeah, that too. Yeah, okay. And probably... Sex. Uh, your f- best Valentine's Day gift. And don't say getting married. I can't? Is that uh, cheating? I, I guess you can. Is I guess cheating? I shouldn't have prepared these in advance. <laughs> is, it, is it getting married? A ring? <laughs> A wedding I, ring? I should say that, but I won't. No, we don't normally do gifts. No? Uh, we normally cook for each other. That's a pretty sweet gift, though. Yes, and I do love to eat. Yeah. And drink, so that, that happens, too. <laughs> right on. Nice. Well, that's the Fast 15 with Lauren Albrecht. Thank you for being on the show. It's nice to have the voice of Sex Talk spend a little extra time with us. Thank you. And that about does it for us, doesn't it, Scott? It does. Tune in next time. When my voice won't sound like this. Or, I kind of like it, sexy. It's sexy, deep, berry white voice. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm hoping it will still be that deep. But anyway, thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 63. Our guest, Lauren Albrecht, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is the proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Oh, nobody so wants to I assume, 
I assume motels are a lot grosser than, than a hotel because hotels tend to be a little more sanitary at least. I remember a little bit. Not really along the lines of bodily fluid, but I remember a, like a 2020 report that I saw where they they showed the cleaning staff taking the drinking glasses that you get in hotel rooms, rinsing them out, wiping them, and then putting them back. Gross. And I still drink out of them because I often forget. And then I'm just hey, like, oh, yeah, you know I remember what? that report. At least they rinsed them. That's thoughtful. Yeah, well, you, you got to rinse them or something.